common theme in today's readings is our twofold mission of being salt and light in the world. The first reading tells us practically how we can be salt and light to the world. Sharing our bread with the hungry, providing shelter for the oppressed and the homeless, clothing the naked. That is how our light shall break forth like the dawn. Christ uses these symbols of salt and light to drive home the message of what he expects Christians to be in the world. But the question is, why salt and why light? In ancient world, salt was highly valued. It was an essential commodity such that even soldiers were paid with salt. And that wage was called salarium in Latin. Salarium derived from the Latin word for salt, which is sal. It's also the same word in Spanish. And that's how you begin to understand the word salary, being paid your salary. And then you must have heard the expression that says, or that describes one like to be worth one salt, meaning to be competent and efficient in one's profession. Salt was something, it was called a white gold in those days. White gold. For you to understand better the concept of, you know, what salt meant for the people, you probably must have heard or read the story of the Salt War, which happened around 1540. And the story is about, you know, central Italy. If you go there um, today, they, they don't have salt in their bread. They don't put salt in their bread. And it has a very deep history. At a time when the popes were very powerful, you know, running the church and the state, and they, they, made, they put a lot of heavy taxes on, on salt because it was an essential commodity. So around 1531, the people of Perugia, of Florence, and Tuscany had had an agreement with the Pope, Pope Eugene IV, that they could go buy their salt elsewhere they discovered that the, the salt coming from the papacy was being too expensive, and the Pope allowed them to go do trading with salt with some other people. But when Pope Paul III took over office, when he became the Pope, he said, I won't go with this policy. Everybody must buy salt from the papacy because we need all the money we can get. So he canceled what his predecessor did, the people of Perugia were angry and they decided to wage war against the Pope. They set up their own um, army. The Pope threatened them, cut them off from you know, gaining any kind of spiritual or pastoral um, benefit from 
from, from the papacy and all of that, as if that was not enough, the people of Cetra, Italy, declared their independence, and then the Pope sent his army over to go crush them. So the, the Pope's army crushed them all. And um, as part of their rebellion, they decided they would never buy salt, and they would never use salt to make bread. So if you go to Central Italy today, and you find they don't have salt in their bread, tell them to add some salt now. The Pope is dead. <laughs> and they should forgive the Pope too. There is a street in Rome called Via Salaria, you know, the way of the salt. That was the road that led to the place where they fetched salt from the river. And all of this, you know, buttresses the fact that salt was something very important. And why? Because it was used as a means of preservatives to preserve fish and meat from getting bad. There was no means of electricity supply, uh, refrigerating system. Apart from that, salt will add flavor to food, which is very important. Salt also was used as um, a healing agent or antiseptic. You know, when you see pregnant women, the amniotic fluid is 98% water and 2% salt. You know, goes to show how important salt is even for life, for the life of a newborn baby and more so for, for, for the life of everyone else. So when Christ talks about us being salt of the earth, he, he's very sure of what he's saying. He wants us to add flavor. And he says, if the salt is tasteless, of what use is it? Of what use should be trashed? How could salt be tasteless? Then it's worthless. And we Christians should be careful not to be like tasteless salt because of the roles Christ wants us to play. And remember, he calls us the salt of the earth. He didn't call us the sugar of the world. Salt, for specific reasons and for the importance of salt. And how about light? A light is something which is meant to be seen, not to be hidden. We don't light the candle to hide it under a bushel. It's meant to reveal. It's meant to show. I was sharing with them at the 8 a.m. mass this morning the reason why I couldn't walk out of the door with the altar service. And like at 10 a.m., I was able to walk out. I said at the 8 a.m. mass, it was still very cold out there. And all the altar servers had more hair on their head than me. So there's no way I would be in that cold. But something that happened over the night, we lost power in, in, in my area in Greensboro. Something happened. I didn't know it was in the middle of the night. I just noticed everywhere was cold in the room. My bed was cold. Everything was cold. I couldn't sleep back. Then I said, let me go check the heater. And then I saw that there was light blinking somewhere from the police or the fire truck or something. And then I checked my phone. There was email from Spectrum and from Duke Energy and all of this. So I said, wow. So I'm going to be in this cold until day breaks and have to drive to Salisbury. So just being in that cold and trying to sort myself out, I couldn't see. I, I didn't even remember where I kept my torchlight. You know, it took a while. But the moment I found it, 
the moment I found it and turned it on, there was some kind of hope for me to move around at least and start to pick things here and there and start to get ready for my drive to Salisbury. Thank God the water was warm. At least I could have my bath. Yeah. But talking about lights, see that how seeing that touch light made a whole lot of difference for me. And that is what Christians do in the world. That's why Christ is calling us the light. A lot of people are living in darkness. A lot of people are languishing in evil. Christ wants us to be that ray of light. No matter how small your light is, turn it on. It could be the only hope for someone living in darkness to see. And this is one of the things I enjoy most in my ministry to college students. I usually love those moments when students walk up to me, not just to talk about themselves, but to talk about a roommate or a classmate or a friend whom they think would need some guardians, somebody to talk to. And those friends or roommates don't necessarily have to be Catholics or even Christians. And then they come to my office and then we begin to talk and then we see again and then we talk again. And after some months or even a year or two, that person will say, I would like to become Catholic fully. And then we go on to prepare them for RCIA and then they become Catholics and then they end up becoming some of the most active Catholics on campus. You know, it just begins with one little spark of light with one pinch of salt of someone pointing out the way for the other. This is exactly what Jesus wants us to do as Christians. And how are we going to do this if our salt has lost its taste, if our light is lit but hidden under a bushel basket? Let your light shine. Let people see your light so that others can be guided, so that the room can be enhanced, so that things can be revealed. We know the story of our world, particularly the 20th century, which is declared, you know, one of the, the worst century in terms of bloodshed and killings of humanity. You know, the 20th century alone versus all other centuries put together, there were more deaths of human lives. World War I, World War II, the Holocaust. And where did all of this take place? In Christian nations, in Europe, in America, in Canada, in Australia. Where were the Christians? Of course, there were Christians, but were they enough to be able to quench all of those evil deeds? What about in our nation? with over 60 million abortions committed since Roe v. Wade. And I know Christians are still speaking. Christians are still fighting. Catholics are pushing. But are we going to have more voices? Are we going to have more people turning on their lights? Are we going to have Christians who are going to be as tasty as a salt, who haven't lost the savor of their saltness? Christ wants us to continue to do our best. And we must let our light shine. 
There is a story told of something that happened to a couple in Knoxville, Tennessee, sometime in the 90s. Like all good parents, when Karen and her husband found that another baby was on the way, they did what they could to help their three-year-old son, Michael, prepare for a new sibling. When they found that the baby was going to be a girl, they would gather Michael in their arms, and Michael, the three-year-old, would sing to his sister in Mommy's Tommy, the only song he knew then. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. The pregnancy progressed normally, then the labor pains. But complications arose during delivery. Finally, Michael's sister was born, but she was in serious conditions. The days inched by, but the little girl got worse. The pediatric specialist told the parents, there is very little hope. Be prepared for the worst. Michael kept begging to see his sister. I want to sing to her. I want to sing to her, he pleads. But children were not allowed in the ICU. Finally, Carrie made up her mind she would take Michael to the hospital, whether they liked it or not, figuring that if he didn't see his sister now, he might never see her alive. And so he was taken in. She dressed him and matched him to the ICU, but the head nurse bellowed, get that kid out of here now. Children are not allowed. Karen glared into the nurse's face, her lips a firm line. He is not leaving until he sings to his sister, she declared. Michael gazed at the tiny infant, losing the battle to leave, and begins to sing in the pure-hearted voice of a three-year-old. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. Instantly, the baby girl started to respond. Her pulse rate became calm and steady. Keep on singing, Michael, keep on singing. You never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my son shine away. The baby's ragged strained breathing became as smooth as a kitten's paw. Michael's little sister relaxed. Healing started to set in, sweeping her over again. Funeral plans were canceled. The next day, the very next day, the little girl was well enough to go home. In an article about this incident, the Woman's Day magazine called it the miracle of a brother's song. Karen called it a miracle of God's love. The nurses, the doctors, everyone in shock, they all knew that would have been a miracle. Yes, indeed, love is stronger than death. We are the salt of the earth. 
How are we flavoring the world? We are the lights of the world. How brightly are our lights shining? How is your Christianity impacting on the world around you? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth, not someone else. You, Christ actually meant it. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Praise be our Lord Jesus, now and forever. Amen. Please stand.